I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Barney. with his mother. The other one? Hard no. Haven't been out of the house. Haven't left the room. Haven't put on hands. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which Mike and I discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are already in the middle of season six. We are season six, episode 10, Eyewitness. Uh, boy, lots going on. How's it going, Mike? Uh, it's going well, Keith. I, yeah, yeah, it, that's, I don't know what to say. Jen's at the gym. I haven't left the house or put on pants yet. And uh, that's how we're doing. It's been a busy week. Happy to be less busy today. That's all I have for you. <laughs> Wow, that is some riveting stuff. Yeah, well, you know, you know. Hey, you know, to the right audience, not my mom, you having no pants is something. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, at first, I, I was trying to, I, I, we got that YouTube comment, which we will discuss but very we're going to discuss it, don't worry. And I tried to remember your brother's names. I was like, there's definitely Sean. What's his other brother? It could be his other brother in disgust that I would dare come at mom. But uh, no, it was actually mom. So we'll uh, we might as well yep. we might we might as well jump right in, I guess. Uh, well, you know what? I, before we get into it, I think we we should at least discuss. Uh, yeah. we, 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 don't you have the rundown? Don't you finally have the rundown now? Don't you know it's time for cat content? Yeah, I, I forgot we had cat stuff, but they're oh, always we there. We have so. tried for years to make this podcast a success. We, we failed. failed. It's time to give the world what it was. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Meow, meow. Hot cat content. Yes, well, I will be brief because we, you know, we have to get to the hot controversy the, the hot, hot mom topic content? you oh, won't God. say that you won't I, say it I, that's gonna be the end of i i'm never gonna speak to my mother again uh but before we get to that see, see what we're doing in radio now is we're teasing so people will keep listening and like be waiting so after the commercial break maybe we'll talk about it the grand controversy but no first we're going to talk about uh charlie because uh this week was my birthday and uh I got for the first time in my life. I got a present from my cat. Interesting. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show it to you here on the uh, on the on the camera there. There it is. Wow! Best cat dad ever. He got me a T-shirt. That's nice, man. 
I feel like very... I, I feel like he didn't buy the t-shirt, but I don't want to break the immersion. Don't you break the illusion? Are you kidding? You tell me that Santa cat isn't real? I'm not telling you that, Keith. I'm not telling Lies. you. Lies. Lies. Well, uh, yeah, and uh, very quickly, Jillian and I, we went all over New Jersey to various toy and comic book stores to buy Star Trek toys. So uh, get ready for our next podcast, but there might be this one. Oh, oh it makes us. Yes. That's more Good. high tech than the scan the uh, the scanning effect I've used in previous episodes. That's true. That's true. Well, it's it's already off to a terrific start. We're gonna you know get even crazier. But let us let's let's get into it. Let's not you know torture our audience any further and get into filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. So coming up uh, soon will be a very strong objection. Uh, but before we do that, see, I'm teasing. I'm working our way into it. You're doing well, I like it. We are going to hear from, of course, our good friend and moderator, Phoenix Cage, who has a couple of things, including an appeal. But first, he says, we were talking about last week inter-arma silent lieges uh, with a sort of inscrutable ending. And if you remember, because, you know, if you're watching this, you definitely remember, sure. we couldn't even give it a score. Because uh, the jury refused to give a verdict, so we did not give a score. Uh, but Phoenix did hop in with some thoughts. And he said, uh, so, I don't know what the episode is trying to do either. But I do know what my verdict on it would be above average. I know that my verdict on it would be above average. Whatever, I can't read. If for no other reason than because David E. Kelly had the balls to immediately confront the new wave of McCarthyism. Around the same time, Bill Maher simply pointed out that it takes no courage to be a drone pilot, and he lost his show for it. I also know that my verdict would have been what, what my verdict would have been if I were in the jury of Eugene's case. First, the lack of evidence of rape does not prove that it was consensual because it never addressed whether it have a, could have occurred after she was bludgeoned. Ooh, good point. Second, I could buy Better that the guy here. was leaving her apartment at the time of her murder may and may not have seen him, but in order for the witness's description to match, it would have mean she was seeing another black homeless guy. Okay, now I've heard some of uh, heard of someone having a type, but come on. I mean, if she were out there banging homeless dudes, I'm pretty sure someone would have heard about it. Maybe not her friends, but certainly the homeless community. Rumors would be flying, and then neighbors would notice this sudden influx of panhandlers lined up around her building. Uh, he continues to say, uh, you brought up reasonable doubt on the case. He says, I was also on the side of reasonable doubt until I gave the witness's testimony a second thought. Then there's the fact that the defendant seemed really intelligent as he was confidently directing the strategy of the case. This tells me two things. One that he could have thought up the elaborate story of the relationship. And two, he wouldn't have been homeless due to mental deficiency, making it more likely that a contributing factor such as mood or behavioral disorder caused his antisocial and or aggressive behavior. Now, Phoenix, I hate to uh, contradict you, but in the episode, uh, they specifically mention that he was back on his medication. So it seems like he definitely had um, some sort of mental illness which was causing him to end up homeless but when he was back on his medication probably schizophrenia or something like that which happens a lot 
but good point. He says, of course, anyone can become temporary homeless due to solely due to circumstances beyond their control. But his photo at the time suggests that he had been homeless for quite a while. As I said, I don't really know what the message behind this half of the episode was. I would have liked if the jury had actually pointed out some of the information they didn't get, as I did with the post-mortem question. I suppose Kelly was just venting about the fact that some lawyers get so caught up in trying to outmaneuver the other side with jury manipulations that they forget to actually present the case, which I think probably uh, was the point. And uh, I will continue. Uh, Phoenix has one more thing before we get to the hot topic of the day. See? And we have... Your Honor, that verdict was crap. The truth was concealed, it must be revealed, and now it's appealed, 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 appealed. What say uh, you? What say you? So, uh, Phoenix <laughs> pointed out that uh, I, I was mentioning, uh, I wasn't quite sure whether David E. Kelly had was a lawyer or not, or whether he had just studied it. And Phoenix <laughs> says, David E. Kelly not only studied law, but was a practicing attorney. A fact that I learned from you guys. Yeah. He practiced in Boston and graduated from Boston University School of Law. Uh, yeah, I don't remember anything that I say on this podcast, for better or worse. <laughs> so it appears that we were the better podcast Becoming the lesser podcast, needing the old podcast to inform the current podcast through a podcast listener, which I think, Keith, brings us back to a bumper we haven't run in so long. And since it was probably you that brought up this fact, I'm going to make you sing it. You don't but know what I'm talking about, do you? I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. You see, back when we used to give actual oh, information. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and would fuck up. It was so rare that we fucked up that we oh, had. Oh, I know. It's uh, we we ha we haven't made any mistakes in so long. Now, <laughs> I gave information previously on the show, but I don't listen even when I'm talking or later. But I'm not the better podcast. Hey, oh, that was bad. <laughs> not not your finest, but you know what? That's sort of the point. I, I think what it really uh, demonstrates clearly is that as the years go by and as we get older, we're slowly devolving into, you know, the two old men from the Muppets. I don't like this show. I don't remember what I said. Stop the presses. I believe they were Waldorf and Astoria, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. which is actually fits us even better, Keith, since we lived most Spent of our years in Astoria. In Astoria. But true. speaking of getting older... Uh -huh. I feel like it's worth mentioning our friend and co-host Keith here just got older a few days ago. I don't have any videos or anything to celebrate with you. I just wanted you to know that we are going to say happy birthday live on the air. Not live, not actually on the air. No. Uh, but uh, uh, I actually needed to get reminded from my wife to make a post on our Instagram for you. <laughs> So you should know that that's how much thought I put into it. You know, what my favorite part about that is in that moment, you remembered, oh, wait, it was Keith's birthday. Now, about three minutes ago, I talked about what I did on my birthday and getting a birthday T-shirt from my cat. Do you want to know what that, I was thinking about that in that moment? Triggered for a second. 
No, because but not I almost moments. like ate a piece of piece of birthday cake. You <laughs> would not have remembered. <laughs> the uh, what I what I was doing was listening for the crackle, just so you know, because right before we started the show, you're like, let me know if I crackle, and so that's what I was doing. I was listening hard for the crackle. I missed all references to your birthday. I, didn't I, see I talked about the whole day, the cat, yeah, the yeah, present yeah. from the cat. cat, yeah, yeah. But I was more worried about the audio, which will be shit anyway. Doesn't matter. <laughs> It uh, just dawned on you that yeah. I had a birthday. I was wondering why you sort of blew it off. Well, oh, good lord! Speaking <laughs> of blowing so it off, we should talk about your mom. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so, uh, should I set the scene? I think you should. Yeah, I, I think you did the did the crime. Uh, you have to do the time and set the scene. So, look, listen. I met Keith's mom a couple times. Uh, she's watched Keith and I make out. She's she's listening right now. We sat next to each other at uh, a presentation of I Got Fired when it was at Nymph. You should know that before you went off. I sat next to your parents. Oh, I didn't know that. I think it was closing night of Nymph when it because they were loading out when I left the theater. That's that would have made sense. They yeah, they, they were there for, for the closing yeah. show. Yeah. Should tell you about the panic attack I had before that performance. But I anyway. can't remember anything. But for some reason, I remember that. Uh Anyhow, last week I I made a joke. In fact, I made a, a reference to, to a cougar or a puma. You oh. made it. Yeah, I made a puma reference, which then you tied back to cougars, which somehow implied that I was hitting on your mom, which I would never do. I would. I'm. But you immediately said that's exactly what I'm doing. Oh, well. <laughs> you know what? I refuse to comment. Much like the jury last week, all I want to say is that apparently your mom heard this and was so disgusted by my advance or my my <laughs> implied advance that she threw her cell phone. She was hiking in the woods, mm -hmm, threw mm -hmm. her cell phone into the wood. Yeah, yeah. To rather than listen to the disgrace and disrespect, so I would like to formally apologize to your mother on the podcast, who I know is listening. Maybe mm -hmm. one of three people listening. That's true. That's true. And uh, let her know that there is no guarantee that I won't do the same exact thing uh, in subsequent episodes. Because you won't remember having done it the first time. Well, uh, I'd love to say that's the end of it, Mom, because I know the thing you hate more about than anything is just being talked about. Uh, but uh, you actually took the time to log into YouTube and make a YouTube comment, which I didn't even know you knew how to do, but you have a very strong. Objection! Objection! There will be an appeal. Objection! Oh, I forgot that one. I like that one. Did I make that? You made that one. Yeah, it's hot. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is the episode. Last week we jumped the shark. This time we just fell into full dimension. <laughs> did I do that? Did you do that? Did I say Where that? Are we? What did what you is say? This? Is Dave, who's David E. Kelly? What's this about? What's oh, his job? <laughs> what did your mom say, Keith? She says, okay, you wise guys. Yes, I was hiking in the woods on my third trip up and down the trail. Yes, I did throw my phone into the woods and had to recover it and brush off the dead leaves. Thank you very much. I want you to know you are incorrect regarding the puma. 
a puma, a cougar, and a mountain lion, and a catamount are all essentially the same animal. I am wary of all, and I think this is for you specifically, Mike, in all caps. Stay away! So not only does yeah. she rebuff my advances. She does. You, 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 sir, have been rebuffed. She educates me. She basically calls me stupid for not knowing my uh, my feline etymology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also, if I'm not mistaken, thinly veiled, not so thinly veiled, in those first few sentences, mm-hmm. she fat shames both of us. <laughs> oh, while well, you guys are sitting on your asses podcasting, I've already done what? Three, how many miles is that up and down the trail? I don't know the trail, Keith. You probably have a better uh, semblance a, of what it, it is. It's, it's a significant hike. I'll tell you what. It's like. To listen they, to this they, whole show, it must. They're take. on the side of a mountain. They live basically on the side of a mountain. They and they, it's a sixty-five acres all the way up to the top, and then back. It's a pretty significant, like, like I do it once, and I'm feeling it. Like I'm ready to like go take a nap, and she does it three times. All right. Well, let me just say this, Mrs. Varney. Message mm. received. Immediately ripped up and thrown in the trash. I'll do what I damn well please. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to have an awkward conversation with my mom later. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Phoenix then chimed in and let us know that he also knows what a, what a Puma is, which and thanks, everybody. Sorry. I thought they were shoes. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we'll see how much of that she makes me cut. And let us move forward in the show. Finally, for everyone's sake we are going to hop back into the time machine safely back to the year 2002 because we clicked over from 2001 to 2002 we had a month off on the show so we are now talking about january 6th the year 2002 and it brings up everyone's question mike what were you doing this day in the basement well keith I was dating a uh, very nice young woman at the time. Uh, she has her name was not my mother. No, she was. She has herself subsequently jumped the shark in life. <laughs> uh, but what that, does that mean? You know what? It's for a different show. Decided, I want to know exactly what you meant. Talk less politics, and so what I'll horrible thing did that person do or have done to her? No, she she's doing well. Uh, and I, I hope, I don't know. I don't, we don't really speak. Um, but regardless at the time she is from Denver and we went to Denver. I went out for the new year that year with her to, uh, visit her mom. And we saw her brother in an opera at the Denver opera. Uh, the, I'm trying to remember which opera company it was, but I do not remember. He was excellent. Cool. And, and we had a great time. It was one of the only two times I've ever been to Denver, and both times were absolutely wonderful. Denver's awesome. Apparently, you can't live there anymore, especially in the nice, like, boulders and stuff, because the Google went there, and now the housing market is, like... Oh, it's crazy. ...exploded. Uh, you know, love- uh, not to keep bringing it back, but my, my mother was born in Denver. Well, there you go. It, How about it, that? It was really great. I, we had a great trip, uh, and then uh, we had gone to school together. That's how we, we met, and... Uh, then that, so yeah, that was cool. That was a, that was a good time. That was uh, my New Year, two thousand two. Keith, uh, you've got some things to share. I do indeed. Well, I teed it up a couple of weeks ago, 
But uh, this very new year, I was performing in uh, Bedazzled. A, uh, it's a fundraiser, I think, um, up at the Stowe Theater in Stowe, Vermont. And uh, I have here the program. And uh, Let's see that mug my, shot. What's that? Let's see that mug shot. There's no no headshot. They they did have my bio in here, which of course I hadn't done anything yet. Uh, but in that performance, what I remember best was I sang and played accompanying myself on the tune Out Here on My Own from Fame. And it was the first time I'd ever played and sung uh, live in my entire life. And so what I have I found the original sheet music that I used. And of course the key the sheet music it was originally sung by a woman so i had to transpose the sheet music and so i basically i just wrote the chords in on the top you can see in the blue there i wrote the chords in and i basically took it down a whole step and then sang it up the octave the problem was i just sat down to play it this morning so i was curious like do i even remember it which i didn't i didn't remember the song at all and here i was about five months from graduating from the eastman school of music uh -oh. And I'm looking at the chord symbols I wrote, and the, so many of them are wrong. And I, it's if I actually played what I wrote on the sheet, it would be utterly incomprehensible. So I was uh, I was kind of surprised, but I, I I really enjoyed the experience. It's it I don't do it hardly ever anymore, but uh, I enjoyed the actually playing and singing. The first time I played and sang live was my senior year of high school. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long time. I mean, guitar. Like, this is the first time I ever played and sang. I was in that band, but I never played and sang myself until my senior year of high school. Interesting. Like Which solo, yeah. I think actually yeah. we talked about, we might have talked about on the podcast. Anyhow, that's well, cool. Well, you did better than I. That was senior year of college when I did it. Well, there you go. We are, uh, that that tracks for you and I. Yeah, that, late, that definitely. Late late well, I just wasn't that, I, I, I have never been a good pianist. I, I have learned to be serviceable you know i i i play i get the feel of it right like I, i'm act, like I, I feel like i i have all the energy and, and the intent and i get the vibe of the song i just play a lot of wrong notes yeah, well, which is um uh, you know that's why i only play my own stuff now Learning because uh, no be one's serviceable the keith varney story the truly the quest for serviceability all right well let us service our audience by moving forward to... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Oh boy, we're talking about January 6th, the year 2002. And uh, are you like, hey, is that Nickelback? Hell yeah, it is. How I remind you of how you remind me. The Nickelback song, which was number <laughs> one. And of course, the cover of the Berlin Free Press talked about a teen pilot crashes into a Tampa bank. Oh. Uh, that was national news at that point. And the top movie. We are in the a long string of legendary films from this era. Back to back to back. We had Harry Potter. We had Ocean's Eleven. And this week, it's Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, in its third week of domination, taking in $23 million. 
dollars. Have you seen, you saw that one in the theater? Yeah. Yo, yeah, hell yeah. <clears throat> so much fun. And and that was sort of like the boring one of the three, but it's it's such good storytelling. Uh, all right, now it is time for everybody's favorite segment. It's time, it's time, it's time for sports. sports. The New York Football Giants finished off a very disappointing season with a 34-25 loss to Brett Favre and the Packers, dropping to the final record of seven and nine. Harry Collins threw for 386 yards on 59 attempts. Meanwhile, the Philadelphia Football Eagles won the division with an 11-5 record, pinning the Bucs 17-13 behind quarterbacks AJ Feely and Coy Detmer. Both teams played a lot of backups as their teams had already secured playoff berths and would ironically be playing each other again next week in the wild card round. You know what is weird? I don't know why. We've been doing it for years now, but like when I hear about football, but we're not in football season, it's very weird to me. It's weird to you? It, it just feels so far away. Football, it, football season feels like it lasts forever, but then when it's not football season, it feels like it's so far away. Yeah. So, do you remember what football is, Mike? It's a it's a sport, and they throw this ball around. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. Is there a joke part of this, or is this? Uh, should we? Shall we? Shall <laughs> the, we do the podcast? <laughs> First of all, I can't wait to talk about the podcast because I don't. I need to know what the hell is over my mouth in the in the two shot, which we're about to go for. Like the the the, the Easter egg has me baffled this week. So let's oh, let's, well. let's go over to it. Soon enough. And, and give me the finger cue, because I don't ever get the finger cue. Give me the finger cue? Finger cue? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I have to find it first now, because I'm in the wrong place. Here we go. And here we go. And ugh, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay. What is this? Well, you're going to find out. You'll figure it out. It's going to be a thing. All right, all right, all right. I'm calm. I'm calm. You're going to figure it out. Just just relax. Just relax. Uh, and, and by the way, if you see my personal Easter egg, uh, that's a Brad Marchand jersey because the Bruins are up 3-1 to one over Washington. Boom. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the second round. Yeah, all totally, right. totally, totally. So, hockey. 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 Sports ball. This episode is season 10, episode Season six, episode 10, Witness, Eyewitness, and uh, it is uh, written by David E. Kelly and Peter Blake. Peter Blake last wrote on the case of Harland Bassett and directed by Dwayne Clark, who last directed Vanished Part Two, which means we only have one last thing to do. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Mm. Uh, well, well, Jimmy. Uh, this week, there is a murder. And not only is there a murder, but there is only one, there is no forensic evidence. There is but one key eyewitness. But Keith, here's the problem. That eyewitness, for reasons, which I don't want to spoil, all right, uh -oh. <laughs> uh, isn't talking. See, hold on, we'll get back to my pitch. CEO Jen, come on in, come on in. 
Ah, oh, what's up, Jen? I'm Wait, she says she is literally, come on in, come in, come on, join the podcast, into the camera, people have to see. She wants to be associated with this as much as my mother does. She says she is, what are you listening to on your ear pods at the gym, CEO um, Jen? Like six episodes ago, but Joanna Gleason. Come on in. Okay. Hi, Keith. Hey, Happy Jen. Birthday. Thank you. I'm glad you remembered. <laughs> You'll understand that better later. She's she's listening. She's six episodes back, but she's listening. Yeah, she's... Jimmy's at the game. He just bet twelve thousand dollars. Oh no, Jimmy! Monkey from the last ship. That's an oh. interesting musical. Don't worry, it, it's wrapped up nicely. Have fun, Jimmy. Jimmy comes out all right. We 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 kind of just we just we forget about it. Don't yeah. worry, we'll forget. Uh, all right. So where was I? Oh yes, the eyewitness does not want to talk does not want to talk and this eyewitness can refute can refute the accusations on our client Keith that we are defending all right mm -hmm. so uh, hold on we, we've 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 gone to sexy pitches right so yeah yeah what's the sexy part hold on I got it I okay. got it all right so you know how last week Bobby was like was it last week Recently, Bobby was flirty flirts with Black Widow. Right, right. Well, so this week, Keith, you know that one time we sent Lucy in to like show a little midriff in order to like get some info. Right, right. That was very uncomfortable for everyone. Well, get buckle up because this week we're sending Lindsay in, and she decides she's gonna play. She's gonna be flirty flirt with the eyewitness in order to convince him to testify to defend our client. Lindsay gets back at Bobby by being flirty flirt with okay. an eyewitness who can who can seal the deal for our case. Okay, all right, all right. You what know, you that's, that's, that, that's pretty good. I appreciated uh, a while ago, you were trying to do a spoiler alert on your, in, your fake pitch. Right. Which was, which, <laughs> <laughs> spoiling your imagination. Yeah, well, we don't want to give away everything I'm thinking about. Trust that, me. When boy, I'm that saying. is the truth. That is the understatement of the year. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, folks. It is time to hop over to your favorite podcasting service of choice to listen to us. Listen to the Practice Season 10 episode. Ugh, season 6 episode. Then I witness. Season 10, or season 6, episode <laughs> 10, I witness. You witness what? How can this be happening? Miguel, the victim's wife identifies you as the killer. The DA's going to listen. And you being the fiancé, they'll tend not to believe your alibi. We need to talk about the plea deal. ¿Por qué no nos creen, Cristina? Tú y yo estábamos ahí juntos. Miguel, cálmate, por favor. You believe I'm innocent. It's not important what we believe. It's important to me. Miguel, yes. We know they have the wrong man. All right, let's find out. Person who may or may not be the wrong man and his fiance. put the closed captions on by accident but it actually helped out a little bit that scene that's a little helpful all right so miguel is played by douglas spain 
who you would know primarily from Band of Brothers, also from But I'm a Cheerleader, Resurrection Boulevard, and he plays young Chakotay in the Voyager episode Tattoo. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. His fiance is played by Lizette Carrion, who you would know from Dexter, over there, Freaky Links, and Sister Sister. In years, right? No, Miguel. Tia and Tamara. I'm just no, I'm not letting you go away 11 years for a crime you didn't do. Miguel, I think we can win this. All right, I Lindsay's really in the episode, Keith, so I'm not totally wrong Are yet. Are you still with me? I love the confidence he says I'm not totally wrong yet 10 seconds into the episode. What do you mean you can't win? I didn't say I can't. I'm saying it will be difficult since I the- saw him, Helen. I was there. Understood. And the integrity of your word aside, eyewitness testimony is not a lock, especially when it stands alone, which it does here. What are you suggesting? Well, they turned down 11. I'd like to go back with eight. Eight years? For murder? It takes them off the street. My husband's life was worth more than eight years. Emily, it's not about measuring your husband's life. It's about ensuring that the man who shot him, in fact, goes to prison. I want him in prison forever. Well, if that's what you want, okay. Yes. I said I'd let it be your call. So we'll go to trial. Emily here is played by Sybil Darrow. Okay, so we have our eyewitness, we have our accused, we have Lindsay. All your pieces are coming together, Mike. Uh, however, in this case, uh, Lindsay would have to be. Uh, actually, this makes it a pretty interesting episode. Bobby could be okay with it in this case. <laughs> I'm not. Go- I'm not going on that road with you, sir. I'm not going now, up that trail up the Keith, mountain. What would you call it? that relationship in this context which which cat will we use a, a lynx maybe a young <laughs> eyewitness on the prowl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is there Bob a way cat. out of this hole bobcat no 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 <laughs> you have uh you have taken that shovel you dug all the way to china and uh now you have to sit in it you promised me you'd stop shoplifting i didn't boost nothing I'm innocent this time. You're innocent. Yes, you had the stereo in your coat. That was a present for my mom's birthday. No, how can it be stealing if it's for someone else? Okay, that's a defense we're not putting on. Look, I gave it back. So what what am I looking at? They are charging you under the common and notorious thief statute. Is that bad? It's very bad. It means the penalties go way up. Let me try to plead you out. I have a good relationship with the DA. Maybe I can get you six months. Do we get any context on what the common notorious thief uh, statute is, or are we the better podcast here? Well, the I'm going to do the be, be the better podcast from uh, context clues and just uh, talk like an asshole without having any information. But what I'm going to say here... Keith is pompous. (laughs) Keith is pompous. Well, I think it's fair to say that the fair and notorious uh, uh, theft statute was uh, implemented sometime uh, recently in Massachusetts in which they are able to charge notorious thieves 
such as third, fourth, and fifth strikes with much higher sentences. Wow, that is like a book report on a book you didn't read, but you took the title and just extrapolated the information. Six months? Maynard, if we lose a trial, the max is 20 Basically, that's years, every and I don't know how I've we can ever win. Done in my life. Yeah, me too. Look, this Meanwhile, guy's first this... strike was being named Maynard. This dum-dum is played is by Jeremy Lowe. Murder. The store's a block from the crime scene. We were interested because the shooter was described as a male, Hispanic, early 20s, dark jacket. We used credit card records to track this man down. Do you see him in the room? Yes. He's the defendant. Right there. Miguel Havalera. Then what happened? We spoke with Mr. Havalera. He gave us an alibi, but we were not convinced. So we had Mr. Havalera stand in a lineup for Mrs. Coyne. They uh, director, uh, hi. I just have a uh, quick, Oh, yes, I'm here, uh, I'm just here. A just a quick comment, I'm looking over the script here. I'm really happy to have a scene. I, I really don't appreciate being talked to at craft services. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I really, you, you've you been ignoring me all day, and uh, since I'm uh, just to have the one, the one scene, uh, look, listen, I don't want to break immersion here, but yeah. I do notice that that you have me saying the defendant's last name, Havalera, like 37 times uh, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. in frequent repeat. Is, is is there any reason that we have to keep saying Havalera? Uh, well, it's, uh, you see, we really want to set up that the uh, the defendant is is Hispanic, and yet we're going to mispronounce all of his uh, names. Oh, okay. But it's 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 really important to the plot. Uh, all right. Well, enjoy your exhale. It's based it's, it's on not. what Mrs. Coyne told you. What did you do next? We arrested Mr. Havalera for the murder of Trevor <laughs> Coyne. The lineup was a full two months after the murder. That's correct. And before the lineup, you told Mrs. Coyne you had a suspect. Did you not, Detective? Yes. So it's likely she had an expectation that you had the right man in custody. Objection. The witness has no foundation on the expectations. Sustained. Of Detective, are you aware of the study showing how easily witness recollections can be manipulated? I'm aware of studies going both ways, counsel. Have you read the Cardozo Law School study? Now showing that talking. 65 of 77 wrongful convictions overturned in the last decade resulted from eyewitness mistakes. Objection. Mr. Berluti is now giving testimony. Sustained. Ask questions, counsel. Don't provide answers. Detective, you have no physical evidence connecting my client to this crime. Isn't that right? No fingerprints, murder weapon, DNA. That's correct. Avalara. I didn't think he heard it. Well, we're doing it. Guy who really likes saying Havalera. Guy who's pissed that the director ate the last egg salad because that's the only thing he can eat because he doesn't eat meat and the rest is tuna fish and roast beef. I really played that out. And hot dogs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is John Vargas, who you would know from Star Trek Voyager. He played Tau in Commanding Flight and he was in freaking Wrath of Khan. And he played Jada. Star Trek. It's too bad. The key will be her, the eyewitness. You ready? As ready as I can. No be, other I physical guess. evidence might call that too. Stole. Yes. I was in the courtroom just then. A hobby of mine. I'm a. Ooh, we got a priest-ish character, a clergyman, but he's got like he's he's wearing his his casual clergy wear. Okay. Priest-ish priest character wearing casual. 
Wait, I, I had. Uh, forget it. <laughs> wow, we suck today. No way. This is fucking money. This Sorry, mom. Oh, God. Now I can't curse. Now I'm in my head about your mom. <laughs> oh, she profoundly does not listen to the practice parts. She has. Oh, oh. <laughs> she don't worry. She has very much stopped listening. She is the literal opposite of every other person who listens to this, who skips us and does the practice. She's like, I just want to hear my baby talk. Oh, does no. she have a southern draw? I don't know. My my Keith's mom impression feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> does she have a southern draw? <laughs> the librarian from Vermont, yes, has a big southern draw. Oh, I but do declare that's the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> Wow, I can't wait to hear more from my my southern mother. <laughs> oh, that Michael. He is such a rascalion. <laughs> He's always oh. checking out books without his library card. Wow, if she accidentally forgot to turn her phone off, I'm going to be disowned. <laughs> Why is that... <laughs> What's your mom's first name, may I ask? Mrs. Uh, uh, Mrs. Her first name is Miss. Let me tell you. Oh, I've got Keith all kinds of discombobulated. You can call me Bobcat Varney. <laughs> oh, no. I sense a recurring character. The do it just schist. <laughs> Oh my god, I quit. Oh shit. Should we just go back to the show? Wait, we're talking uh, about well, the priest. Yeah. Oh. oh. I need to compose myself for a second. The reverend is played by Tim Guinea, who has uh, done an extensive career. You know him from the Iron Man series, Homeland, Elementary, Hell on Wheels, The Good Wife. And uh, don't worry, he was in an episode of Smallville. He played Arian in Gemini. Somebody said. That's that's a theme to Smallville. Court I, I, feel, I also feel uh, that I was curious. Right Do you think he'll win this? I'm sorry. You are? Michael Crane. I'm a minister with the First Presbyterian Church in Jamaica Plain. If I hadn't gone into the clergy, I think I would have opted for law school. I love monitoring big cases. And homicides are always quite fascinating. I was just wondering oh, yeah, whether that, you think you can get normal. an acquittal here. Well, I'm sorry, Reverend, but we don't really discuss our cases with anybody. Of course. Well, good luck to you both anyway. Thank you. That's not weird. Not, not Come totally on, Eleanor. Normal. Call her three times in six months. My heart's not exactly bleeding. Minor shoplifting beefs. We're getting pressured upstairs to make some examples. Well, just don't make one of Maynard Parrish. His biggest crime is being stupid. He's a sweet kid. Yes, I know. They're all sweet. Do I tell you they're sweet? Come on. Our relationship has to count for something. Come by my office. I'll see if we can work something. You see? Oh, yeah. Now you're sweet. And that I will stand by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Uh, this DA is played by Scott Cohen, who you'd know from NYPD Blue, The Gilmore Girls, Pan Am, The Necessary Roughness TV Show. I, I love that movie back in the day, Kathy Ireland. Allegiance and The Carrie Diaries. First of all, I also enjoyed that movie quite a bit. And secondly, 
I have a thought that has completely left my head. It also starts Scott Bakula. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Uh, shit. God damn. What is wrong with me? Why this episode is brought to you by Mike's Dementia. Mike's <laughs> Dementia. I forgot what the rest Around of the line was. We were walking to our oh, car. I remember now. Uh, I think hopefully that was flirty, like as I intended it, because or as I I took it, because I feel like it's time after the like severe trauma that Eleanor suffered at the hands of George Volgaman and that quote unquote relationship that she mm-hmm. have, and then the other guy who sort of ghosted her, and then the like, she's had a, a string of really shitty relationships written for her. I feel like maybe she could strike something up with this lawyer guy. Yeah, well, let's find out. Are. When a man ran across the street. So the eyewitness is on right the stand. Towards us. I noticed he had a the gun. The titular eyewitness. He asked for our wallets, jewelry. What happened next, Mrs. Coyne? Trevor took a step in front of me. Probably didn't even realize he'd done it. Then what happened? I heard a shot. The priest is creepily taking And I saw notes. fire shoot out of the gun. And I was covered with blood. And I heard Trevor scream. What did your attacker do? He stood there like he was frozen for a few seconds. She's very composed. And then he ran off. Mrs. Coyne, did you get a good look at his face? Yes. He was only about 10 feet away. Do you see in the courtroom today the man who shot your husband? That's him, the defendant. Are you positive? Yes, that's the man. Thank you. All right, she's got him dead to rights. The judge was played by was Charles dark. Chiappi. He's there back. There were street lamps. How far away was the nearest street lamp, do you know? 30 feet or so. The police say 50 feet. There was enough light for me to see, Ms. Dole. You saw, for example, the type of gun your assailant was carrying? Very clearly. A small pistol, silver, with a black handle. Do you remember what he was wearing? A dark jacket and jeans. How long did it take from the time you first saw your assailant to the time he ran? Probably 10, 15 seconds. You said you had blood on you as well? Yes. Were you scared? It was that man. Are you sure? I don't need to think about it. That's him. Mrs. Coyne, I'm confused because in the police lineup, you did need time to think about it. You studied those men for almost a minute. Are you saying your recollection is sharper now than it was six months ago? I took the extra time because I wanted to be positive. Little, little Mrs. cut there where you see just a flash of doubt on her face. Mrs. Coyne, good I want to lay out a scenario for carry you on. and you tell me if it's possible, okay? And good at editing. Fine. You were brought to a police lineup, having been told the police had the man who shot your husband. So when they brought the men out, you felt one of those men was the guy. You settled on my client after a minute because he looks the most like the guy. Today, you identify him quickly, not necessarily because he's the man you saw on the street with the gun, but because he's the man you saw that day in the police lineup. Possible? No. Not even possible? No. He's the man who shot my husband. Were you told to be unequivocal up here? No. Did you tell the police the shooter had a goatee? No. Better podcast, but I, I'm mm, enjoying mm. The, the, the 
the premise here because I've often thought when you think about, especially many trials, many, many trials happen so, so long after the crime takes place or the murder takes place. Yeah. And we still give so much stock into eyewitnesses as even as much as science has proven the fallibility of the human mind or our, 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 pre, our prejudices that we bring in, our implicit bias, and the rise in accuracy of forensic evidence and physical evidence, it's, it's interesting that we still put so much weight into the, the eyewitness report. You know what I mean? I, I completely agree. And it's also, the other thing that happens with time, and once there's a suspect, we put so much weight in the eyewitness testimony live in that moment. Mm -hmm. But by the time the person is actually on the stand, not only has a lot of time gone by, but a lot of time has gone by where the there is a specific person being prosecuted. So in the back of your head, like, that's the guy who did it. I'm seeing his face over and over and over again. I'm talking about him, thinking about him all the time as they're building this case. So that you have this sort of reinforced bias just because that's the person on the table. It, you're not picking from all the people in the universe. It's mm -hmm. not just your memory, but also the reinforcement of the charge and the arrest and the, you know, research. And add that to... Like, think about a, a ton of documentaries we've watched where the outcome has, it, we know the outcome going in, where it turns out that X, X suspect is proven to have been uh, erroneously charged and put in prison, right? DNA, right, right. Um, it's, it has proven that they did not do the crime. And yet, families of the victims still refuse to believe that new evidence because they just need to feel like some sort of justice has been has been found for their their departed loved one, which is totally understandably understand so. totally understandable. It's interesting because in this case, the eyewitness is also a loved one of the victim, and so she has that double right, sort of. Sure. Now I'm not. I don't know if he did it or not. So it's. I'm not saying that she's incorrectly fingering him, but you know, it, she's just she's double. I'm doubly as a jury member. I'm doubly wary of her because she's got. Two sorts, two sources of potential bias. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and and with the lack of other evidence backing her up. Yeah, just tough. Didn't remember that part. You didn't remember. You could describe the gun, the clothes, but you couldn't remember if the shooter had facial hair. Look, he shot my husband. You make room for no possibility whatsoever that you could be wrong. Is that your testimony, Mrs. Coyne? Yes. Thank you. You certainly weren't equivocal here. Wasn't great, Lindsay, I gotta say. Well, I'm not sure what else she could do. Yeah. The priest is weird, and Lindsay clocks it. There's a whole beat there you're watching. Mitchell, we've been friends She's, a long she time. She finds it odd, too. I'm the first one to admit that most- Excuse me, Reverend. Most of my clients are scum. I even complain about it. The kid needs a break. And what do I tell my superiors? That you did the right thing. Look, if he gets caught again, I promise you, I will not fight you on it. But this time, please. Eleanor, he is saying he didn't realize the stereo was under his jacket. I mean, he's a liar. He was boosting it for his mother. He wanted to get her a present. Mitchell, come on. I'm going to the favorite bank that. here. I will give you anything. Anything? Anything? Well, why do you say it like that? What do you want? Take off your shirt. 
Well, sorry, Eleanor. I guess uh, you got another one coming. <sighs> Very funny. Come on. I can't help you. I wish I could. Were you serious just then? When you asked me to take off my shirt? Mitchell, were you? Eleanor, we go way back. But you don't know everything about me. Such I'm actually as? a grody pervert. I'm attracted to you. You're married. I know. I, I would never cheat on Margie. I mean, not with an affair. But I'd look at My your heart boobs belongs to her. blackmail. But, uh... Fun little... Excursions. <laughs> excursions? <laughs> I can't really give you Paris get a break. Hey, I'm sorry, director? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I've got a little egg salad here. Yeah, Hold on. sorry. Uh, here's a napkin. Uh, okay, li thanks. Listen, I, I love the show. Big fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Really, really excited to be here, especially such a meaty part. Uh, mm. it, it, it seems to me that the character that uh, you've written here uh, seems... Yeah, as a dirtbag, which is fine. I've played I've played a few dirtbags before, but this one seems almost so ridiculous that it's implausible. Is that, is, is that you feel? Am I wrong? Am I off base here? Well, look, you said you're a fan of the show, right? Yeah. So have you you've seen previous episodes? I have. Yes. Uh, yes. So, so based on uh, any person that any of our cast members have known for a long time. Yeah. This is like the least creepy monstrous thing. Uh, the rest of them are all murderers and and uh jelly bug stompers. So every man from Eleanor's past that she's been friends or colleagues with it basically just wants to sexually harass her for a date and or evidence? Yes, uh, but basically every man any one of our cast members has ever known ever is some sort of a monster pervert. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. Well, enjoy but your egg salad, and I'll see you on If something between you and me would happen, well, to avoid the appearance of impropriety, I try to be especially fair. So if I have sex with you, you'll cut a deal. <laughs> well, I'm shocked that you would get that impression. However accurate it might be. I do feel like if you took Tony Danza and merged his DNA with Ray Romano, you've got this guy. Oh my God, that's totally right. You have Tony Danza and Ray Romano's baby here sexually harassing Eleanor. What do you think, Ray Danza or Tony Romano? Tony Romano, for sure. Tony Romano, yeah, Tony Romano. You know, Tony Romano got his first job at the sub shop. Mona! He offered it like that? Quid pro quo. Well, he said he would be especially fair. If you had sex. Yes. Or How show was him it? Lucy, zing. What? what should I do? Eleanor, you can't take that. How was it? Thank you. <laughs> Besides that sterling tip. You know, I had a case with him once he didn't ask me for sex. So how did you leave it? I By the way, prediction here, just mm. uh, speaking of tropes, I do have clocked that anytime you hear the phone ring in the office, even if it's just like, it's never background. Lucy's gonna come back in never. in about four seconds 
And she's got some hot news off the press from the phone conversation. That's exactly right. Yes. I was so stunned. I just like Chekhov's phone. I walked out. Well, I would first make sure he knows you didn't accept the offer. One. Lucy, call him. Don't have to. That was him. He's on his way over. Ah! Sing! Me and Miguel rented this video. Big. We took the bus back to my house. We started watching it at 9 o'clock. What time did it end? Around 11 or so. Christina, did Miguel leave your side at any point during the evening of May 14th? No. He was with me the whole time. I swear. And you're absolutely positive about that? Yes. You're engaged to be married to the defendant? That's right. And you love him very much? Yes. Would you lie to give him an alibi? No. Did you call your cousin Martina Bell on the evening of May 14th and ask her to join you for dinner? Yes. And did you tell her that your fiancé would be out for the evening? I thought he was, but then he came home unexpected. He came home unexpected. Did anyone else besides you see him at your apartment that evening between the hours of 8 and 11? I don't know. When the police showed up at your apartment that evening, your fiancé hid in the closet, didn't he? Well, he thought it was other people banging on the door. And I just thought it would look bad if I told the police that he was in the closet. And so I just said no one else was home. You lied? Yes. You lied to help your fiancé? I shouldn't have, but I did. What other But you're not lying today. That's right. I'm not sure she did her uh, fiancé any favors. I thought you said it was dangerous. It is. Very. But, Christina, you didn't come off so credibly just then. And we have to account for why you jumped in the closet. I was hiding from dealers. I understand. The scene is very badly lit. But to the jury right now, it just looks like you were hiding. Very noisy, the picture. Interesting. Must have been rushed. I'm suddenly thinking we should take the 11 years. It's still one eyewitness, Jimmy. And I witnessed it hell tough. And when the jury hears about Miguel's prior... You think it's too risky calling him? Jimmy sees something. Oh, it's going to be the reverend. What the fuck's up with the reverend here? Does he strike you as a court buff? No. In his, uh... What are those shoes? They're not Umbros. They're, uh... They're airwalk, uh, um... Reverend. Chucks. Still enjoying the trial? Yes. What's your objective opinion? How are we doing? Not so well, really. The fiancé seemed like she was protecting him. You might be right. Could I ask you one more thing? Sure. Why do I get the feeling you're not a disinterested bystander? I'm not disinterested, I told you. You're a buff. (laughs) What do you know, Reverend? You look a little anxious in that room. Like you have a stake. What do you know? Someone confess something to him? I'll tell you this. If our case goes any further south, we might just subpoena you on a whim. That would be ridiculous. Somehow I don't think so. You're here because you know something. I think you need to talk to us, Reverend. Thank you, but you're wrong. I need to get back. 
Please let go I'm of me, Mr. One Berluti. Lindsay flirty flirt away. We'll be at the <laughs> waiting with the summons. Talk to us. I love when Jimmy plays bad cop. Suppose what I know doesn't help you. At this point, we're willing to take that risk. Not here. Let's go to a witness room. No, not anywhere here. My place, 7.30, just her. Go buy us some time. Maybe some subs? Have a friendship sub? Yeah. I'm extremely sorry for my inappropriate behavior. I'm going through some personal problems at home, Eleanor, and... Well, I apologize. Please take that apology. Snippet, email it to your mom, Keith. It's exactly the words I'd like to say. <laughs> oh, great. I was like, <laughs> wait, you're telling Eleanor to just let it slide? What's wrong with you? No, it's, it's just for my mom. Okay, great. <laughs> wait, is she here? Uh, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Back it up a little bit. Let's have her respond. I do declare I am not offended by your sexual advances, but I will say I am quite perturbed that those library books have not been returned on time. <laughs> Obviously, any deal predicated on a sexual relationship oh, God, is I'm dead. wrong. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a dead table. man. But since you're friends with my, my precious little boy with those cute little cheeks, I just want to them. I'm gonna waive the fees. I'm very upset that I even threw it out there. Now I just want to die on my own. <laughs> well, let's start again then. As I said, Maynard Parrish is not a career criminal. I wish I could help you. But as I said, we've got our marching orders on this statute. Which means what? You're gonna push for the 20? I could sell 10 upstairs, but nothing less. 10 is ridiculous and you know it. I don't know what else to tell you. You know, Mitchell, so I'm having a sickening her. feeling that your offer wasn't pulled because of conscience, but because I wouldn't go for it. Well, you would be wrong there. Really? I want the six months. We never had a deal. I want the six months. I'm sorry. Blackmail. I think any favorable deal would be met with suspicion at this point, and I'm just going to play this straight. Straight or punitive? Ten years is it, Eleanor. And suppose... sex was not off the table. Jesus, she's playing a dangerous game here. I'll say it again. Ten years is it. All right. Why did he think he would go Sorry. for that over... like... He's just some random client to her. It's not like it's the stakes aren't that high for her. Why would why would he put her in that situation? Like if he thought that he could extort her into this, it's right. not like it's just, it's just like a client. I'm yeah, like, we, yeah, the stakes like a are, case. the stakes are the challenge because it's not only that, but like we're to believe. Well, that's a starter. No, okay, apples and peanut butter just. Because nobody, nothing is more uncomfortable to listen to someone eat than apples and peanut butter. 
Oh, oh, you've gotten a snack from CEO Jen. Where's my snack, Jen? I don't know, but get ready to listen to this. Mr. Ed's lip smacking about to happen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Be more coherent. The stakes are the challenge, right? Because not only is the client sort of quote unquote insignificant, but and he knows that, but also their relationship, which quote unquote is goes ways back. Still, you don't just like somebody you just like knew from law school. You don't just like, well, well, I guess we'll find out. What I say has to be privileged. We can't promise that. And you get nothing. I think conscience brought you down to that courthouse. I think conscience is the reason you are here now. He wasn't just at the courthouse. I want this discussion to be privileged. Yeah, that's the only way it'll be. Okay. Not speaking to my attorneys. Yeah, to give him a dollar first. They didn't learn nothing from Breaking Bad. One of my congregants killed Mr. Coyne. He came to me under the seal of a conversation with his minister and admitted his crime. His guilt was compounded by the idea of an innocent man being wrongly convicted. I've been monitoring the trial on his behalf. He told me if it appears your client faces conviction, might be willing to come forward. That's all I'm at liberty to say. Please convey to your congregant, Miguel Avalera is facing a conviction. Interesting. Very interesting. So let me get this right. I kill somebody. Right. I tell my priest because I'm feeling a little bit guilty. Right. But I'm not going to go to the cops unless they finger somebody else for the crime. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, well, if you're going to get away with it and nobody else gets thrown in jail, you, you have, have you to know, you have like a half conscience. It's still, still a murderer. I'm but like, interested to see the stats. I'm not going to, not interested enough to research them, of course, but. Oh, goodness, no. Of how often someone is accused of a murder and acquitted and the the police and DA reopen the case to go search for somebody else who did it might have done it i'm going to guess That's, it's less than 50% yeah i would guess it's probably pretty low yeah i mean i bet the judge way lower than what? that he pulled the offer but eleanor your suspicion is he's now taking a harder line he is but i don't know whether he's being punitive or if he's simply determined to be ethical because he's so embarrassed either way the client suffers the guy comes on to you you rebuff the advance and as a result the client's getting a lesser deal you have to report that mitchell wheeler is my friend we have known each other for years friends don't put friends in that position i'm also friends with his wife agreed bobby Unless you see a dead baby and leave it on a church doorstep and you ask your friend to just look the other way while he's sitting in the car and letting you do it. That's true, out, but he did People not ask Eugene to take to a shirt hurt. off. Eleanor, as an officer of the court, you have an ethical obligation to report him. Please, Eugene, episode, don't though. officer of the court me on this. You have knowledge <laughs> sure. of a DA putting sex on the table in plea bargains. If he did it here, the likelihood is he's done it before and he will do it again. I doubt it. But even if you're right, let somebody else report him. I'm his friend. Eleanor, if the client is getting hurt, you can't sit on it. 
It's a very un-Eleanor stance, actually. <sighs> He's not coming for Well, me. you said oh, I thought he would. Position. He said he would, but he changed his mind. He doesn't want to go to prison. Oh, it's troublesome in the episode because, like you just said, the stakes are low for that client. So it makes sense. Now she's saying, well, it, I would, I'd rather not ruin my friendship for this client. Well, I, I think the friendship part <clears throat> is the is the stupid reason. Because, as you know, I think Bobby's 100% right. If my friend did that to me, we're not friends anymore. Right. Like, that's over. Like, game over. That's That's not a thing. You know, uh, and what happens, especially then before we're <laughs> in a position of believing victims is that the tough position that she's in is what, how are people going to treat her in this situation as the, as the victim in this, in, in, in this, when we're in a society that just is not ready to take her seriously. Reverend, assuming we can clear hearsay problems, would you be willing to testify to say- Absolutely not. We need you now. Our kid's going down. What he told me was the equivalent of a confession, Mr. Baluti. Even so, the consequences- I won't do it. In that case, for you. What? It's a subpoena. The menu from a sub shop. I'm really sorry, but- Mr. Baluti. Ms. Dole, if I were to betray this confidence, I'd lose my job, my church. I must plead with you now. I don't feel good about what we're doing here, Reverend, but... I tried to help you. If you make me testify... You have information that could exonerate my client of murder. We have no choice here but to call you. Ten years? I'm working on it. Working on it? You said six months! Maynard... What's going on? Don't panic. Don't! No, you! Don't panic! So I'm the one that's facing prison. I'm on it, Maynard. Come on, Maynard. Get us an 11. What the hell's going on? Just let me work on it. Why is he in a full suit? I was wondering that too. I mean, he's going in and out of court, I guess. Even if you could force him to testify, it would all be hearsay. Your Honor could force him to reveal the identity of the shooter. That's not hearsay. But if he's claiming privilege. I don't think it is privileged. He's not a Catholic priest. This wasn't a confession. We treat. Also, should be noted here, we're well past halfway. And we've yet to see Kittleson, who is absolutely in the episode. She's on the, the slide, and she's... I saw her name in the credits. Oh, yeah, true. All communications with clergy pretty much the same, Council. I have a uh, deus ex Kittleson. I don't think this qualifies. <laughs> Look, nobody here wants the wrong man convicted of murder. Let's question him outside the presence of the jury and see what turns up. Nobody can have a problem with that. Trying to extort me, Eleanor. I'm telling you. Actually, that's a really that's a really fair option that Lindsay possesses. Like, okay, look, this guy doesn't want to testify. We all 
we might have the wrong man on the stand. Like, let's see if there's any credence. If it turns out he is a legitimate witness or a legitimate has a legitimate, this gives the guy a legitimate alibi. Maybe the DA doesn't even want to press charges anymore. Well, right. And a, an ethical DA wouldn't want to convict the wrong person. So if they were convinced, then they, they should pull it. And especially if you're not in the eyes of the jury. So you're literally just you're, you're your own jury that they have, they would want to know if they had the wrong guy. That I have an obligation to reveal what happened. Nothing happened. Mitchell, you put something in play. You know you did. I revoked it before it was in play. I am offended by your attempt at blackmail and I will not make deals under the duress. I have to defend my client. Not that way, you don't. All rise. Yipper. This court is now in there session. She is. The Honorable Judge Kittleson presiding. Any business before we bring in the jury? No, Your Honor, the Commonwealth is ready for trial. Ms. Frott. Defense ready, Ms. Frott. Do it. Fuck this guy. Well, don't fuck this guy. I'm Yes. Your Honor, regretfully, I have to report some misconduct committed by Mr. Wheeler. Which misconduct has affected the disposition of this case? What misconduct? The district attorney sexually propositioned me last night, suggesting a sentence of six months for my client. That proposition was rejected, and with sex being removed from the equation, Mr. Wheeler's offer went up to 10 years. Mr. Wheeler, do you have a response? I don't know what to say, Your Honor. I'm stunned. Was sex put on the table as part of a plea bargain? Yes, it was put on the table by Miss Frutt. Yeah, and saw that coming. Excuse me? And I immediately rejected it. You've got to be kidding. Why don't we take this to Chambers? Yeah, why don't we? He's lying. Oh, I'm lying. Yes, you are, Mitchell, and you should be disgusted All right, that's with enough. yourself. Eleanor. He's lying. You can expect to be sued for defamation, I'll tell you that, because the immunity... Go ahead and sue me, Mitchell. I said all right. I'm not about to get into this. You should get into it. This is one stunt too many for this firm. Mr. Wheeler, I'll ask you for the last time to be quiet. I don't care who made the advance. You're now officially off this case. Another DA will be assigned, and I'm advising both of you to let this die now. I am not going to let this Mr. die. Mr. Wheeler, you're excused. Beat it. If she's going to tell more untruths, I'm going to- She's not. The matter is dead. Get out now. Are we going to get a Kittleson, this ain't a fight you're going to win, Eleanor, so you're best to just grin and bear it? I am telling the truth. Eleanor, I'm inclined to believe you. But trust me when I advise you, let this drop. How can I when he has a Because his reputation is far superior to yours. Truth be told, there's been a little gossip in these halls about your romantic desperation. What the fuck? I beg your pardon? You dated a serial killer who liked to dress uh, up as a nun. Okay. You don't think the clerks and DAs had some fun with that? And a few judges? Your firm is also infamous for stunting. Here you've got a client dead to rights, facing 10 years. 
You know, to be fair, that serial killer did try to kill my roommate and me, so maybe a little bit of goddamn grace would go a long way instead of just mocking me in the bathroom. And to be fair, uh, if anybody has more stunts than the people in this firm, it's Judge Kittleson. Mm-hmm. Scratch out Lindsay's eyes naked oh, yeah. before in front of. Holy shit, I forgot all about that because there's been so much other stuff, like, you know, the penises. The multiple. penises, she's. She's naked in Jimmy's apartment. Uh, yeah. No, she's like stunting. And you think that I would resort to making up this kind of story? No. I Keith, now do not be using foul language like stunty. I don't. But frankly, I regret all Mitchell of this. Wheeler's credibility is stronger than you. Uh, for the record, I, I believe this character will only exist for this one episode. I, I've, Thank lost, God. I've lost the Southern anything. It's really... <laughs> Yeah, I really don't even know what the hell I'm doing at this juncture. <laughs> and any game at he said, juncture? she said, will favor him. He's also a good-looking man. What the Meaning? Fuck? Meaning let it drop. Oh, she's banged him? Don't do any more cases with him. What is Ooh. happening, Keith? What is happening? I mean, she's right, but... Reverend, oh, you're a material not. witness in a she's, homicide. Uh, it's ugly. I'm, it's all ugly. It says a lot of ugly things about a lot of things. It's true. But they're at, what I'm getting at is, is that she's right in that as we, as two straight, straight uh, Caucasian men can, can say with uh, accuracy, we generally get the benefit of the doubt in these matters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So, Eleanor, it's an uphill battle for her. Not that she shouldn't have every right to pursue it, but it's probably not going to be a, a, a smooth road. Yeah, yeah, which is the injustice, which is the tragedy of the situation. But the, my question is, is Kittleson, is that just giving her just, like, advice, or is there is there yet another layer to the onion? I'm ordering well, you to testify. Find out. I'm sorry, Your Honor, I cannot. What was told to me was told in strict confidence. I have duties imposed on me that come from higher places than your bench. Duties. The Lord can't throw you in a jail cell. I can. Well, then you'll have to. Leaving aside identity, did a man come to you and confess to killing Trevor Coyne, a man other than Miguel Havalera? I'm not talking, Miss Dole. Reverend. What about my privilege? I'm sitting in this chair right now because those lawyers revealed my privilege. Reverend, obviously you've agonized over what the right thing is to do here. Otherwise, without telling me who, did a man other than Miguel Havalera confess to killing Trevor Coyne? Please, you can reveal that. Then don't show up to court and make yourself so conspicuous if you have no interest in this divulge. Yes, I received such a confession. All right. Did he give any details as to I'm what? I'm not saying anything else. I'll go to my jail cell now. That's all I'm saying. Okay, Reverend, you can step down. Ben. Weird old telephone. I'd like to put him on the stand to say what he said here. I can't let you counsel. Your Honor. First of all, it's hearsay. 
We have no way of knowing if it's reliable. Plenty of nuts confess to crimes. It was his congregant. Obviously, he considered it reliable. That's not good enough for us. Second, there's totem pole privilege here. The congregants, also the ministers. The truth is, you had no right to reveal what he told you. He hired you as his attorney. Only as a pretext to shield what he had to say. I can't allow him to take the stand, counsel, and you know it. Your Honor, somebody else confesses to the crime and the jury doesn't get to know about it? That's right, Mr. Baluti. And if you pull anything like you did with the boy with the aneurysm, your bar card will be gone. That's a promise from me to you. The jury will hear nothing of this minister or any confession. Yikes. Even though Phoenix pointed out that uh, Jimmy did the right thing by the barcode. You know I'm telling the truth. I would never make something like this up. Of course I know it, but it just doesn't sound like Mitchell Wheeler either. That's all I'm saying. You actually have doubts? I believe you. Oh, well, clearly you're not sure. Eleanor, I believe you. Now listen, I'll get hold of the case. I can't promise you six months, but I'll take care of you, okay? Okay. I won't even demand a sexual favor. I'm not laughing. I'm sorry. Be patient. What? I'll make it right. I gotta get in court. Well, here he is, of course. You know, Mitchell, the first thing you did was unethical. But accusing me, that was despicable. Eleanor, you need to get help. At least he's... He's going for it. He's playing. It's a good thing to know they're old friends. I hid in the closet because yeah, right. I didn't know it was the police. You thought they were... Drug dealers. I owe some money. I use from time to time. I admit that. Mr. Avalero, the night of the murder... I was home the whole night. We rented a movie. We watched it. I was home. Do you own a gun, sir? No. I have never owned a gun. I've never fired one. And I did not shoot Trevor Coyne. I swear this. It was somebody else. You take your jacket off? You though? don't just use from time get, get, to time. You have a drug problem. It's under control now. But you use. Very rarely. You robbed a liquor store once, isn't that right? Six years ago and not with a gun. You lost your job three weeks prior to the shooting, isn't that correct? Yes. Mr. Havalera, other than your fiancé, do you have any alibi witness who can account for your whereabouts the night of the shooting? No. The minister has no reason to make it up, Emily. I, I don't know who the congregant is. Are you now doubting me? I'm asking you. Are you sure? The truth is, eyewitness testimony is manipulated, happens all the time. Witnesses become convinced of suspects they see in lineups. Trauma can affect memory. I remember his face, Helen. Why else would because I- Because you saw it in a lineup. No. He's it. He's the man. I know it. He's not the one. Does Emily Coyne think she saw my client that night? She oh, probably hold does. on. But she Guess missed on fish. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. 
hair, didn't she? She described the gun, the clothes, but she missed an obvious facial description. And this gun, the clothes, never found in the possession of my client. The prosecution offers no witnesses who ever saw him wear the clothes described. No physical evidence, no forensics, nothing to link my client with this crime. Just the testimony of the victim's wife who had to be scared, traumatized. It was a dark night. She's mistaken. Somebody else killed Trevor Coyne. Maybe he looked like my client, but she is mistaken. She doesn't think it was him. She knows it. She was there. And she saw him. The man with the drug history. The man who robbed a liquor store. The man who just lost his job and needed money. The man the police found hiding in the closet the night of the murder. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an eyewitness who actually saw him commit the murder. What else could you possibly need? Like any other evidence? <laughs> so it's all gonna work out. Think so. Helen got custody of the case, so she's gonna take care of it. So that's great. Yep. But you don't seem happy. Well, I lost a friend this week. I can't really celebrate that, can I? Is that all there is? No. I don't like not being believed, Rebecca. I, I, I thought Judge Kittleson said she was inclined to believe you. Yes, she was inclined, and Helen was inclined, but nobody's sure. And you know why? Because Mitchell Wheeler is a good-looking man and I'm the fat girl. What isn't that, Eleanor? It's exactly that, Rebecca. Exactly that. Why would a man like Mitchell Wheeler make a pass at me? It's exactly that. You know what Judge Kittleson said? It's not not that. That my romantic desperation is fodder for gossip down there. And when I had a baby using a sperm donor, well, that was because I had no choice, right? I mean, what man would marry me? Couldn't possibly be that I wanted to be a single parent. Well, before you spend the rest of the day feeling sorry for yourself, remember you did get a good result for the client. This will eventually be a victory. That's another bigotry we face, Rebecca. What? People assume that fat girls just sit around feeling sorry for themselves. I'm not sitting here feeling sorry, I'm angry. Can you understand that? I am angry. That's great. I love that. I mean, it's like, yeah, she should be. And that is the right response. I don't know. I think maybe. Weird that Rebecca was on the dumb side of that argument, though. Feels like a Jimmy, but I get why she does feel like a Jimmy. Yeah. I honestly don't know which way this is going. Madam Foreperson, have you reached the verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say? It's familiar. In the matter of Commonwealth versus Miguel Havalera, 
As to the count of murder in the second degree, we, the jury, find the defendant, Miguel Havalera, guilty. Guilty. I mean, it's the only way to make the point. Members of the jury, this completes your service. And the hell knows it, sad in it. This matter is... This matter... Ooh, the judge. While I find there is some evidence to allow for the conclusion that the defendant committed the crime, I find no reasonable jury could reach the verdict that it did based upon the evidence that has been presented to it. I hereby set aside the verdict and enter a finding of not guilty. The defendant is free to go. Wow. Well, Keith, we didn't get Deus Kittleson. We did get Deus Machina. Deus Judge. That's the, though, at the end of the day, the judge can do that? Just, just, uh, whatever, never mind. We've seen it before. Oh, yeah. Usually there's grounds, right? There's, like, the jury is just well, wields a wildly... What, well, what he just said there was based upon the evidence presented, but that was a lie. Right, it's the implied non-presented evidence. He has to say that because other, he's not allowed to overturn something based on other evidence that he knows that everyone else doesn't, even though that's exactly what happened. He had to cover himself and say that, in my opinion, what was presented couldn't be, which is just a bold-faced lie. What, what's interesting there, though, is that he's he's sort of covered because, um, I mean, Helenor, Helenor, <laughs> Helen could could appeal, right? Can't Can the prosecution appeal? Yeah, for sure. A judge's over... I, I don't know, but she yeah. wouldn't because she has. She also has that knowledge. That that well, they, knowledge. Yeah, I mean, she wouldn't in this case. You know, I, I. That's a really good question. I'm curious. Like, I don't think they can appeal a jury verdict, obviously, but whether they can appeal a bench verdict. I don't know. Better podcast. It's two shitty weeks for Helen. There. It's not having a good season. It's uh, not right for a man to cry. I had to come in. I think under the circumstances, you can cry, Miguel. One day, I will repay you, Mr. Berthoud. Don't worry about that. Here comes the priest. You no doubt feel like a proud man, Mr. Berluti. But you're not a proud man. You betrayed me. Reverend, when you came to the courthouse, it was because you had to. And that judge's ruling, it had everything to do with you coming forward. I didn't come forward. You dragged me forward after pledging your secrecy. I'm very happy for you, sir. But you betrayed me. I'm very happy for you, sir, but I'd rather you be in prison so I wasn't betrayed. I'm so, I don't even get well, his stance. I get it, but I... Well, I, I think from his standpoint, the the person who came and confessed to him 
right, said that like if it looks bad, I'm going to come in and and say that I did it. But he pulled out. He decided not to. So what the priest was doing at the beginning was predicated on the person coming forward. And that sort of got the rug got pulled out from under him there. And then he got left, you know, twisting in the wind. Well, that's because, well, the, yeah, but don't agree. If you're a priest, don't agree to circumstances like, well, I'll go watch the trial so that I can let you know if you should confess or not. The priest should be right. like, you should go confess. Uh, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't feel too bad, Jimmy. Although you are a... Jimmy, Miguel still has to check with probation before he can leave. Okay. Though I like that Jimmy's confused by, I mean, I... God. Oh shit. <sighs> David E. Kelly. As David always, E. Kelly. Last minute. So now the priest is making out with him, which means that it was all bullshit. It's so many episodes where it's just bullshit. It's always bullshit. Whatever. We we make a good point. We've got things to discuss, but then uh-oh. Guess what? JK. Gotta do a twisty McTwist. So the priest and the person oh accused of God. murder were making out. There was no congregant who confessed, was there? Wow. Also, if you're going to pull this elaborate scheme, maybe don't have a celebratory makeout in the bed. Well, I guess it doesn't matter, right? Because it's what's done is done. At this point, it doesn't matter. But, you know, if it's me, I may be like, let's go around the corner. <laughs> Not like in the bathroom. Was, I love that he was literally hiding in the closet. And they made a big thing <laughs> about it. You picked up on it. I had it yeah. written down. <laughs> it's like a little on the nose there. You need to check with oh. probation before you can go. Okay. <clears throat> I just feel... I'll talk about it. I feel like he goes to this well just too often. The well's dry, David. The well is dry. It was a better episode 30 seconds Without ago. it. It absolutely was. You're 100% right. Okay, folks. You have gotten through this episode of The Practice. It's time now, if you care to see our chubby faces talking about it, to hop back over to YouTube, and uh, we're going to have our after-show show. And we are back, back, baby. baby. <laughs> Mike would not let us show his mistake uh, <laughs> other than the entire podcast. Yeah, right. We don't need to show it. Oh. Okay. Well, we are back from watching the episode. It is time to fill in the folks who just like, you know what? I'm just here for those two dudes talking uh -huh. and uh, fill you in on what we're talking about twice. First up with the segment. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Eleanor's pissed, baby, and she should be because this like old friend of hers who's also a DA like says, show me your boobies or have sex with me and I'll give your client a deal, but she doesn't get a deal. And then Eleanor's like, oh my God, she admits it in court and she's like, this is this is terrible. And Kittleson's like, suck it up, basically. Then this other guy, he, uh, he, he looks guilty, but then there's a priest and he's like, I know who actually did it wasn't this guy. And then it turns out, oh my God, the guy gets found guilty, but then the, the judge is like, no, 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 he's cool. And then the guy's making out with the priest and it turns out it was all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's uh, that's as clear as the episode was. And uh, now, could you just tell me all of that again? 
but in you know fewer syllables. Mm-hmm. And is there? It's like a song or like a graphic you could do. Yeah, but the song's gonna be really loud. Oh, good. The Reverend knows who. The jury will never know. Love still sucks for Frut. Yeah. Yeah. Again, those those are really excellent. I, I, I at the end of the season, we'll do like a, a season in our season recap. We should just recap all the episodes in their yeah. high coopsies. That's that's a good that's a good call. That's good because it'll be good for us because we don't remember any of them. We don't remember mm-hmm. what we've said on the podcast. We don't remember the shows themselves. We don't remember where we are or what's happening because this episode is brought to you by Dementia. Okay. Wait. Hold on. We're doing it early. I'm wearing what's a face collar. There you go. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> it took you that long. Oh, man. That. That is really funny. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake awards show that we do at the end of every episode that begins with... Wow. Well... Jimmy, Lindsay, they really got a murderer off for real in, but in doing so, but they did it with all the right intentions, which is a flip for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Eleanor went through some shit and did. And even though she could have not said anything, she could have had sex with the guy. She could have done a lot of things. She actually played it damn straight and it is and you know she did the right thing the ethical thing even sacrificing her friendship to do the ethical thing and tried to get the best possible deal for her client and it seems like the episode implies that the future and helen even agrees that they will get the best uh, outcome for eleanor's client i'm inclined to uh, award it to helen eleanor yeah i i was I was going to make the case for Lindsay because she was able to, uh, even though the whole system was being played by this couple, she at least was able to set up the situation that led to the judge overturning the verdict. Uh, but no, I think you're right. I, I, I think even in my own subconscious bias, I downplayed the work that Eleanor did because of how shittily she was treated. But even as she was dealing with this incredibly shitty situation that she was in, she fought for her client at cost to her personal 
life and feelings and, and like she 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 sacrificed for her client for the truth for herself and uh yeah i think it's eleanor so uh congratulations eleanor front on your m v l next up <clears throat> okay here we go ready Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck First entry on your IMDb Way to go But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode See, I got a little Father, Son, Holy Ghost in there Ooh, well done Yeah, man, it's topical Topical Man, we're really firing on all cylinders right now well, actually, I gotta, I gotta say, I feel like it's been a good episode. I don't know. I could be brain dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to stretch it now because I gotta go do that run after this, and I'm like, ugh. Um, <laughs> That's right. You're gonna filibuster your run. I'm also feeling like a bad husband, Keith. I gotta be honest with you. I'm sorry to do a side note because, like, I'm so used to CEO Jen like making me lunch, and mm -hmm. I should have just been like so happy with my apples and peanut butter. But then, I really just have been expecting for the past 40 minutes that more food was coming. Like it's like it's owed to me. And she doesn't owe me anything. I can go make my own goddamn lunch. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, you are a bad husband. So All your right. feelings, I, I want to validate your feelings. <laughs> okay, great. That's <laughs> good. I feel like you're my priest. Um, okay, so maybe you might disagree with this. We might have a split C, but here's what I saw. Like, okay, first things first. I feel like the 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 gentleman who played Mr. Havanera, oh, what was it? God, what was his name? They said his name. Miguel is played by Douglas Spade. Miguel, yeah, he he was great. I mean, he he played the victim who wasn't a victim, but we but I bought it right. So he, right. he fooled me, which was great. I also thought the Reverend was also played well. Tim uh, Gibby. He played the deceit very well. I thought that the sexually harassing DA friend of uh, Eleanor was also uh, a great dirtbag. Our Scott Cohen. Yeah, Tony uh, LaRusa, not Tony LaRusa, Tony, Tony Romero. Uh, but I would like to actually award it to the titular, well, not titular, but the wit the, the actual eyewitness. Oh, um, played by Sybil Darrow. Sybil, because, Keith, she had to, she had to play basically all subtext. And she didn't give us a big weepy performance, and she gave us a very composed. She uh, she read, and this is not easy to play because it's not it's it's not very active, right? She had to play a woman who was traumatized and who was grieving, mm -hmm. but had to pull her shit together and say what happened to her husband and 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 point the finger at the guy who did it, and then she was grilled, right? And during yep. that grilling, they tried to poke a hole. They had tried to poke a hole in her in her testimony by saying you're too confident. And yet, though there was some doubt because she was being called out, she still hold held firm. And that one scene, I just thought that's excellent because it's it's not showy in any way, but it's difficult. It, that's hard to do and play correctly without with without going into hysterics, and also still keep. Let let the the script and the other performances still cast you in a light in which you seem like you could be either racist or uh, just wrong. But at the end of the day, now reexamining the performance, she was right all along, and right. 
viewed through that lens, it still holds up, right? You can't find, you can't poke any holes in it. And so for that ironclad performance, I'd like to award it to Sybil last name. Darrow, yes. Well, I, I think that's a good case. And I, I think you you make a good point. I think I'm going to go with Tim Guinea as, as the reverend. I thought he, you know, if this wasn't the 15th time this had happened on the series, I'd be like, oh, how interesting, how cool. Like he played it so well and he like, Clearly, not just the actor is a good actor, but mm -hmm. the Reverend is a tremendous actor. Yeah, and yeah. and I thought gave uh, a incredibly credible and believable performance through this whole thing. And it's it is interesting that this whole episode pivoted around the acting ability of this Reverend, who who actually played it really really well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my half's going to go to Tim Guinea. Okay. So, uh, congratulations, Sybil Darrow and Tim Guinea on your best guest actor awards. Now it's time. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. I think it's Eleanor this week. I, th I think that um, Cameron, just for that last scene alone, yeah, she had to deal with the, the crap. She took a lot of crap this episode, but she was defiant in the face of it in the courtroom to Kittleson and then to uh, uh, Rebecca, who was just trying to be friendly. But guess what? That, oh, poor you, you know, like sometimes I don't need saving. And that point, that's a beat you don't get to see very often in television then or now. So I think we'll talk about that later. Um, that's probably my favorite beat of the show, of the episode. And uh, Cameron, as always, is excellent. And thank God to see her get to do her thing because it's been yeah. a while this season. So uh, you're damn right you get another oopsie. Enjoy it. Yeah. No, no, for sure. It's Cameron's episode. And I thought she did a really, really good job. I mean, I think the the strength comes through, the vulnerability comes through. Um, you know, again, we're going to, I'll get to it at the end with the, you know, both stories are mining that well. We've pretty much tapped out. Mm -hmm. um, but I do like um, showing Eleanor with that strength. And and uh, Cameron, here's the thing about Cameron's performance. No matter what bullshit David E. Kelly puts Eleanor through, Cameron is always going to give her strength and dignity. And I think that that is... Uh, the strength of the character minus that it'd be, you know, with a, with a weaker actress, this would be a pretty dopey storyline that she has gone through and she has mm -hmm. elevated what her character has had to go through. So congratulations, Cameron Mannheim on your best actor. Whoopsie. All right. Speaking of dignity, the Tom Brady award for being Tom Brady. I haven't seen last week's yet. I gave Keith an out. It was uh, Patriot Brady, so we'll see oh, yes. what uh, he came up with. Well, uh, you'll have already seen, but I will see shortly what he came up with. Uh, this week, I'm going to once again flirt with Lime. We're not allowed to kill him, right? but right. we can insert him into murder scenarios. And so this <laughs> week's Tom Brady reward for being Tom Brady is Tom Brady creepily attending, uh, Tom Brady watching a murder trial with Glee. Tom Brady. Tom Brady watching a murder trial 
with glee, Tom Brady wings, wings, wins the Tom Brady one for being Tom Brady. Man, I can, I think I need to go to that sandwich shop. <laughs> yeah, that exiled sounded real nice. I don't know. I want that uh, hot dog and tuna. Let's do this. Ooh. All right. But before we do that, let us. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I want to have a heart to heart with old David E. Kelly here because somewhere along the line, late, and, and maybe it's because of ratings and maybe it's because of pressure he's getting from the network. We, there are plenty of factors, but I feel like sometimes he forgets that a, a really well-paced, well-written procedural is is good enough, right? Mm. Not everything has to have a huge twist or a gotcha at the end, or even a, make a have a, a rip from the headlines thing, like like last week's episode with the Patriot Act and and you know after nine eleven xenophobic atmosphere. Sometimes a really good case presented really argued really well is awesome you and i talk often we love just an a case uh this week i thought that what's presented with eleanor is is interesting and, and like you said she brings such a she grounds it so much and she brings so much dignity to it that i think we we probably like it more than we would had it been in lesser hands or just tacked onto another episode the a case here started off great it asked some really interesting questions. It posed some really interesting problems. What if an eyewitness comes forward but is protected by privilege, yet we all know about it? What then? What what does the law say? What does integrity say? What does the DA do with that information? A lot of, lot of interesting things to examine. And sometimes being left with questions without answers is helpful. But too often I find that he neuters the imp, David Kelly, the show, neuters the impact of it by making the person be found guilty anyway or they win the case but then the judge flips changes it which is which is a trope that happens here and then in addition to the judge giving us the verdict we want or we're rooting for let's say that we're led to root for they do the quick thing at the end like the wife admits it was her all along or the priest is making out with the guy like it's just if this was the only episode in a vacuum, yeah, that's that's cool. That's a neat twist. Oh, you you fooled me. But there doesn't always need to be an I see dead people moment. And I feel like it's just feels a little also ran. And look, you and I are watching this and we're not binging it, right? It's not like we're watching them all back to back to back to back and, and so we're sick of certain tropes. We're watching it like people would watch it week to week. And and so those tropes are starting to wear on me a little bit. Uh, that doesn't detract from what I thought was a what was a pretty a pretty good episode. Uh, I thought the performances were good. I thought the questions were good. I liked the, the what we're really liked the Eleanor stuff. Although I will say that just it she played it so great. It still feels a little tropey in that. The dirtbag lawyer character seemed like just stock dirtbag guy. Like there was mm. nothing. I mean, the fact that you say we were friends, you're like, no, clearly you're not. Like we don't know who this guy is, and he's clearly a, a d bag. And I was really off put by the way Kittleson handled it. Like there was a better way to have that conversation. I get her point. You and I talked about it during the episode. Yes, it's true that bi implicit bias is true. But then to make the whole thing like, oh, everybody's laughing at you behind. I don't know. 
I'm conflicted because I enjoyed I enjoyed it, but ultimately I just feel like it it, it cuts itself off at the knees. And so at the end of the day, uh, I think I'm gonna have to say seven seven spare tire seven spare tires. Okay. Yeah. The thought that I I had is, and 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 like Jorge. Let me know if this isn't true. Has there been an episode this entire season when an innocent person was actually found innocent or a guilty person was actually found guilty? Mm. Because we've had time after time after time where guilty people are found innocent and innocent pe- people are found guilty as a, the whole the whole season, the whole season of that. And it's really odd to just, you know, again, sort of go into the the tropeville. And like, yeah, okay, boy, that's exciting, but not if you do it every single week. And, um, you know, I also had thoughts about the the gay twist, which, mm-hmm. again, is becoming a trope on this series. On top of, like, this season, this is the second time we've had, like, a big gay twist reveal at the last second. Because remember the, the first... Uh, the the or the the season premiere with yep. Dylan Baker, and the other thing is, I think about it. Unless I'm wrong, we've met four gay characters on the in in the entire series. One of them is Jimmy's mom, who hasn't murdered anybody yet, but literally every other gay character has either murdered somebody or been very deep involved in a murder. Because mm. you had Joey Herrick. Right. You had this guy, and then you had Dylan Baker, who was certainly deep involved in the murder. So it's like, I I don't know what they're trying to say there. <laughs> it's and it's it's sort of, it's odd. It just sort of it, it. If if we had other gay characters who were just there, and that murder was not their defining characteristic, <laughs> it wouldn't feel so awkward. Uh, but it it sort of just does. So it's sort of you know, uh, rub me the wrong way. And of course, looking back at it, and you picked up on it too, the the fact that he oh. literally hid in a closet. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. It's so silly. And I so- I feel like, sorry, I don't want, I don't want yeah. to d- disrupt your train of thought, but I almost feel like it would be a worthy exercise for us, maybe at the end of the season, to make a little wheel or a randomizer, right? With, <laughs> with our different tropes that we've picked out and just mm-hmm. spin the wheel and create an episode of the practice and see how plausible it is. Because I yeah. feel like we could do it. Yeah, we, we definitely could. We definitely could. Uh, you know, and in terms of Eleanor's story, I, I, I'm conflicted on that as well because part of it is is good and important and important storytelling, you know, because w- women are facing situations like this all the time, every day. Every woman is dealing with a situation like this. But then to see the character so poorly treated, and, you know, again, is that a reflection of the time? Is it an honest reflection of what women are going through? Maybe. But it's it's tough to see all of it. You know, El- Eleanor pointed it out. Like, all the people in her life treated her like shit. They did not believe her. They half believed her. They sort of blamed her a little bit. They made it about something else. And that was all sort of ugly. So it's it's ugly for Helen. It's ugly for Kittleson. It's ugly for Rebecca. And uh, 
it's 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 a tough situation, and so it's it's hard to know exactly how to feel about that from the from the show's standpoint. Um, I really did like that final scene where Eleanor is able to express her anger about it, and that everyone's everyone's thinking she's going to feel all these other things, and like, oh, you got to it's good for your client or whatever, or like, oh, I'm sorry about your friendship, or like, it's about your love life. No, she's fucking pissed. Because this should should not have happened, should never happen, should never happen to anybody, and you should be pissed about that. And I appreciated that that was what the defining emotion that Eleanor had, and she fought for her right to feel that. And so I actually really like that part of it. It doesn't feel, though, like like a little meta, though. As if she's saying, like, why do we? Why does it have to be the storylines, though? Like, <laughs> we've proven that Eleanor is a badass litigator, incredible yeah. in civil court and civil case. Like, why do we need this? Well, and and I I think there's there's a point there, I, and and you're right that the character of Eleanor I was referencing it before is like her defining characteristic, maybe even more than how badass of a lawyer she is, is how shittily she's treated by men, yeah, and the women around. And like, and, and like, she's treated shittily by men. She's treated shittily by women who expect men to treat her shittily and for her not to care about that. I just feel and, like in the first season or two, you know, it was, it, she was, the, you know, like the, uh, they played her like, oh, we have, we're, we're hearing that story, that, that voice from the, the overweight girl, the big girl. And, you know, even in, at, at Hollywood at the time, like she was an actress who was, was, Get with a breakout role who was not the the cookie cutter ingenue that you're used to seeing on right, television. Was that a was victory. a thing. That was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally get it. But like now we're six seasons in and we're playing the same card. It's almost like why does we let's it's more powerful if that's not even a fucking thing. I don't give a well, shit who she's dating no, or not dating. Exactly. So like it was it was great to start out by representing this type of a character at all. That the totally. person is even on TV and allowed to do things, but that character was represented as a victim. The next step is that character is represented, but not as a victim and not defined by that thing. Mm, bingo. And and I think that that is where the the story, the, the age of the storytelling is very apparent. Because if I'm writing the practice revival, right, Eleanor, like she she may deal with stuff related to not being the cookie cutter sure that's a rel that's a good storyline but that's not the defining characteristic of the character and not everything that references the fact that she's not a cookie cutter should be about her being a victim mm. and i think that that is you know it's just where there's room to grow where where there's there's room to grow on this type of storytelling and and this series so um i'll be very quick about the other case uh I agree with you 100%. This, that case, had they just ended it with the acquittal, would have been so much better. Like, just if you just cut it before Jimmy goes back into the bathroom, that case is a interesting, cool, relevant case. And then they just shitted it up at the end with like Twisty McTwist, Gay Panic, that was just wildly unnecessary. I have to say, because I had the thought and I didn't want to ruin the moment in in the show, it that it's still at least that beat, though I think that that the reveal is unnecessary. It is still better than what I was afraid was going to happen, which what I really thought was going to happen, which was Jimmy's hugging Miguel 
and the priest comes back in and there was a comedy beat about like, uh, Jimmy's like, oh, don't, I want you to think I'm gay. Cause I'm hugging, like, I thought there was a comedy beat coming and I was like, oh, please oh, no. Oh yeah, God, that would, no. But, that would have been even worse. Yeah. If, if anything could be worse, that would have been it. But luckily we avoided that. Yeah. So, anyway. you know, anyway, it's, it's hard to give it a number of tires because I, some of it was strong and some of it was not strong. And, and I, I liked parts of it and I didn't like parts of it. And, you know, I, I feel like a lot this season, I'm saying, I'm saying that this season over and over mm-hmm. again, where it's like, there's some stuff I really liked, but also it's hamstrung by something else here. So I'm going to give it uh, 7.25 tires. Okay. Like I, I enjoyed it. Like I, the, I was compelled by it, just disappointed in the end. Which uh, is probably what happens to people who watch this. So, uh, folks, if you are compelled by us but disappointed in the end, you can do us uh, a big favor by telling us all about it. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. And while you're at it, uh, leave us a rating and review. Join the jury. Kittleson wants you to. She's scary. She'll come for you if you don't. Go on to Apple Podcasts or any other uh, service of your choice. Let us know. We will read it on air. We will welcome you gratefully into the jury, no matter what happens. Speaking of people to whom which we are grateful, we would like to say that this episode is brought to you by founding sponsors Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Kari Kuhn. Did you know you can be one of them? Very easy to do. There are show notes, and generally speaking, there are links to subscribe for a monthly contribution or a one-time donation. If you don't want to give us any money, I totally understand that. You can also help by recommending us to a friend. Do you like Star Trek? You can check us playing with toys on our YouTube show. Check out my Star Trek toys. You can find that on the KME Entertainment thing online. And if you wouldn't mind, reach down into that decimal system and find yourself a nice old non-fiction book on laser sounds. I'm using these laser sounds to kill myself. Go Bruins! <laughs>